Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Kiwi, and with me is a BP. <laughs> Hi. Today we're playing Now or Never from Ryan Lockett, who also did Sleeping Gods, which we know from the past like years worth of episodes, both Kate and Eric love. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also done Near and Far and Above and Below, which are games that we enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, we own Near and Far, but we've only played uh, Above and Below. Uh, also Rome. Which Wait, is Rome. we have never played Near and Far? Uh, no, we played Near and Far, we, okay. but we own it. Oh. Above and Below, we've we played, played, but we, we don't, don't own it. it. Uh, Rome, we very much enjoy, and mm -hmm. we own that one. Uh, eight Minute Dungeon, or Eight, eight Minute Empire was one, it, he, that's the one miss that yeah. we've had so yeah. far. Oh, I guess, spoiler alert, if you go back and listen to that episode. Yeah, I don't know that it's a spoiler alert yeah. at this point. Uh, the developer is Mallory Lockett, who is also a developer on a lot of the Red Ravens games. That's his wife. I was going to say, uh, are they related? Yes, uh, they are. They are a spousal duo. Uh, the artist is also Ryan Lockett, who does all the art for his own mm -hmm. games. Uh, and it was published last year, 2021, by Ryan Lockett's company, Red Raven Games. Um, I think he's also done like music and stuff for like apps. And it's just like, yeah. oh, leave some talent for the rest of us. All right, uh, the game description. Far to the south of the last ruin lies a cliffside village called The Monument. For generations, it protected an ancient shrine until the day a crystal meteorite descended. The meteor's denizens slowly crept out into the world, bizarre monstrosities from nightmare, attacking all in their path. As they spread across the land, there was no intelligent malice nor grand invasion strategy. The creatures acted like a fungus, spreading into new territories sporadically. After many fruitless attempts to expel the monsters, the people of the monument fled as their village crumbled, exiled to distant lands, resigned to a nomadic existence. Twenty years later, there are rumors that the bizarre monsters are growing weak. They're slower, less impervious to attack, some undergoing a gradual petrification until they crumble to dust. Is it the atmosphere? Are they dying of old age? Do they suffer from a strange disease? No one is certain. But as the news spreads, various factions set their eyes on the vacant, ruined village of the Monument. The original villagers, now refugees, are desperate to return and rebuild, but they must do it quickly before someone else claims their home. This is your chance. It's now or never. And the mechanics are action drafting, hand management, it does have a solo solitaire uh, game with it, or Option. mode, I guess. Uh, tile placement and variable player powers. And the box art, BP, how would you? Typical Ryan Lockett fashion, if you will. Um, in this case, has a kind of a dark reddish cloudscape. Uh, looks like some kind of ruined uh, tree house in the background uh, against yeah. a green uh, landscape with like a chasm in the middle and some five shadow uh, figures in the front that are you know, probably some sort of character. So yeah, very much in the style. Uh, uh, but he does like the kind of the silhouette background like mm -hmm. looking off into the distance. Um, this one's got, so is I think it near and far and I think above and below were more of like an orangey color. And Rome has that same kind of orangey yellow color. Mm -hmm. This one's like definitely like a red or green. It mm -hmm. it seems slightly more ominous almost. Oh, for sure. Which I feel like fits with the the story of yeah. 
or the, you know, the description there. Yeah. Um, so with that, BP, would you pick this up off a shelf? Absolutely. We stopped. So if you have not listened to our Gen Con episode. Yeah, spoiler alert, I guess. <laughs> Skip ahead. X number of minutes. Uh, we uh, we saw him actually uh, setting the game up at Gen Con and we're like, uh, yes. Uh, and then I think you pre-ordered it? I, th- I think it pre-ordered it after we got back because they weren't selling it there. Right. Because uh, it was on Kickstarter, I think. Um, and we had obviously very much missed the Kickstarter, but we went ahead and pre-ordered it uh, from the website. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So obviously we are a fan of many of his games. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yes, I pre-ordered it and for all the same exact reasons. I mean, we read off the list of games that he's designed. Uh, Sleeping Gods, obviously Eric and Kate, mm-hmm. that's something that they really enjoy. I would definitely like to try it. Mm-hmm. It was one of those like super storytelling games. And for us, it was just one of those like, well, we have a lot of storytelling mm-hmm. campaign games that we need to get through before we like start another one. So that's the only reason why I've like really held off on Sleeping Gods. But I think like based on the things that Eric and Kate mm-hmm. have said, I think it's something that we would very much enjoy. Because um, I was about to say like, yeah, all the Ryan Lockett games where you there's like story mm-hmm. that come with it. Feel like we like a lot more. I was like, well, and then Rome being the one exception. Yeah, but we really like that yeah, one too. Yeah. So uh so BP. Um I forgot how our podcast goes. How do you think it's played? Yeah, how do you think it's played? <laughs> you get you get the benefit of seeing it. Seeing the board in front of us. Well, so and but I don't have the the thing in front of me. So I'm just going off of it's a typical Ryan Lockett game, except what I think far and near has the, um, the storybook that goes with yep. it, right? You complete tasks and then you tell a story. There is not this, um, there's lots of components. <laughs> it took us a little bit to set it up. That is true. Um, uh, but there's tasks, which I mean, is typical of these types of of his big bigger games, right? Completing tasks, and we want to beat monsters and get back to the village. And we've got spread out for us a map section. So I'm guessing, like, we uh, will move our little tokens of our character along the map based on various stuff that we have that okay. allows our movement. I do believe movement was a part of, of the thing. Um, I'm assuming we're going to get to build some of these things. So I'm guessing like, uh, for our listening audience, these things, there are tiles with buildings on them. Yeah. In a, in a grid pattern. Is that like, uh, I guess, where you're going to build for your village? Possibly. I can't help you on this one. On the monument village. Um, And then we're going to fight monsters. And basically fighting monsters is going to give us stuff to build. And then, right, the first one, the first one to build. So the tasks take us to either building or monsters or resources. Um, And then... uh, as we build these things, these monuments, these buildings, whoever fills their grid, we have a grid thing, whoever fills that up first wins. Okay. Okay. There's also a market, so there's a lot going on. 
the market gives us us uh, protection and weapons to fight our our monsters. Indeed. Okay. Uh, so, idea. Uh, you know what? Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I wrote these show notes uh, and the rules a while ago, so we'll find out. Okay. Uh, so the history of monsters uh, coming out of meteors. Yeah, kind of. Really? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if you think about the history of mankind and its relationship to the skies, gods lived in the skies, gods, monsters. It's a name. Yeah. Depending on which version of the stories of the gods you were, they were also monsters. Right? Uh, so the history of meteorites, kind of, sort of, at least... Uh, we're not going to go super technical on that. Like, obviously, meteorites, just the name itself is rocks from the sky, basically, from outer space, as opposed to, right, rocks that our own planet uh, creates, so rocks from other planets. Um, they've, again, figured in human culture and narratives and uh, especially ancient, ancient societies worship since as long as civilizations existed. One of the uh, earliest that has been um, securely dated is from Egypt uh, around 3200 BCE. So, again, rise of civilization, dated meteorites. Um, definitely, again, uh, both in narrative form and in uh, artifact form are associated with ritualistic aspects. Uh, one of the first ones is associated with the Temple of Artemis at Ephesus. Uh-huh. Uh, it's in modern day Turkey okay. um, and uh, was considered, in fact, uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Uh, it was believed that that one was uh, the falling of the, the meteorite, right? Falling stars, so to speak. And um, that at the time that meteorite was actually sent from Jupiter, the principal Roman deity, and so, therefore, right, sacred. Um, there's other areas around the globe that have had those associated with different, again, uh, religious aspects, some of them uh, more readily dated than others. Uh, in writing, some of the earliest writings we have that actually um, mention meteor showers and the sort are from the Song Dynasty in uh, the 1000s of the Common Era, but also in Europe as early as 1400. Uh, the first actual like scientific writing about meteorites, that was all that was the first writing to define it as not actually from the gods, right? Like, but really starts to show how humans reconceived the universe was 1794, oh. a German scientist, which makes sense because right. The scientific revolution has its roots in the in the late 1500s, 1600s uh, by the late 1700s, humans were really starting to redefine outer space and it's right. And how the earth fit into all of that. So uh, the name of the book was On the Origin of the Iron Masses, found uh, by Palos and others similar to it, blah, blah, blah. So uh, kind of interesting, totally fits in, again, historical context. Then there's um, some famous incidences of, right, meteor uh, 
like meteorites that have been found. And as I was scrolling through the list that is provided, of course, by Wikipedia in, in its list form, there's one called the Willamette, which is apparently, and I, I, I picked this up because I have family in Oregon. Yeah. So, right, the I was Willamette. Say, that sounds familiar. Right. It apparently is the largest meteorite ever found in the United States. Hmm. It is currently, I believe, at the National History Museum in New York City. So kind of interesting. Um, and then, of course, like then there's other large impact craters. Uh, and I, again, thought of Oregon and Crater Lake, uh, which was. We, we also mentioned Crater Lake uh, in, in a Cascadia. recent episode. Yeah. 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 So go back and see our archives. Yeah. yeah so meteors. Uh, older than human civilization. OK. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, so I have a question based on the description that we read. Did you already have geared up for a history of meteorites or did you cheat? I cheated. Okay. Because I had no clue what to do. So I read the description and was like. Oh, you. What? You no, that's fine. That works. <laughs> uh, okay. Question how I come up with my history lessons. <laughs> totally relevant and ties in. Yeah. All right. So let's learn how to play. Okay, so we are friends Aww. competing to rebuild our ancestral village and guide the rest of the villagers on their journey home. The game has two modes. So there's a standard mode and a story mode. Story mode has chapters with stories that pertain to the four main characters that you can choose from. The rulebook does recommend that if it's your first time ever playing, you should play it in standard mode. That's what I would... So that's what we're going to do. We're going to okay. play it in standard mode first. So we're not playing story mode. Uh, the game lasts for six seasons, which are the rounds, uh, and the player with the most points at the end is the winner. You're going to gain points from the coins you have, the buildings that you've built in your village, mm -hmm. having a variety of villagers, mm. um, and completing quests and completing orders. So I was kind of right. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, the first player is the one who most recently won a game. Now, I wrote in here in the show notes, so Kiwi is going to jinx himself, and here, on 14 February, he's going to assume that he's going first. However, the last two games that we have played, Robotech. you have won. <laughs> oh, I didn't want to give away Robotech because that one oh. hasn't uh, been published, but you won when we played Dog Lover as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. With an asterisk. The last time that I won was when we played Namiji before I did these show notes. So I did, in fact, jinx myself. I have since <laughs> lost. I have not won. In fact, looking at my board game stats, I have not won a single game since, since I wrote, wrote that down. Sense. So a season or a round uh, consists of each player, starting with the first player, who will be BP, uh, choosing one of two actions and resolving it or passing. When all players have passed, the production phase is performed before moving to the next round uh, or the game ends if we're at round six. The two actions are the specialist action and the hero action. So for a specialist action, you get four options. So you can pay your own face-up specialist and perform their action. Uh, so you'll pay the value that's on the large coin icon uh, on our specialist. So you're, you've got a large and a small. You can pay someone else's face-up specialist mm. and perform their action. You pay the cost shown on the large coin icon and the other player gains the coins equal to the small icon. Uh, so like my little warthog guy here has a large uh, number of five. So if you wanted to use him, you would pay five and, and I would three. get three of them. Okay. 
you can recruit a new specialist paying double the cost in the large coin icon Ooh. and then immediately performing their action. Mm. Uh, or you can rest a specialist only if it's your own. Uh, so you're going to flip one of your face-up specialists. You don't pay them or use their ability. Instead, choose between gaining two hearts or gaining one coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, once the specialist has been paid, they are flipped upside down. Uh, you can only pay a specialist and use none of their actions or part of their action. And specialist uh, actions will let you build buildings in your village, heal your character's health, gain experience, or buy gear. Uh, so then your other action is the hero action, uh, can only be chosen if you have at least one heart and one unused hero token. So in the top right of our player board, uh, we have the hero tokens. So when we use them, we're going to slide them right on our board to show that we've used them. So, uh, you take the following three actions, uh, move your hero orthogonally a number of spaces up to the value covered by the hero token you selected. To move further, you can lose a heart per additional space. You lose a heart if you enter a space with a mountain icon. All right. Uh, and you lose a heart if you enter a space with a monster and choose not to fight it. Mm-mm. Uh, you'll play a quest card. This is optional. You must be on a space that matches the quest card. Uh, and then you choose one of the following or pass. You can visit location. So if you're at a named location and you can perform its action. Uh, so there are several. Nomad so there's like camp, the scholars. Hermit's Hut, the Scholar's Tower, the Crystal Meteorite, uh, the Monument, which is obviously the right. town that we're building. Um, Ooh, snail caves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you uh, fight an enemy if you're at a location with a monster. The fight ends if the enemy is defeated, the hero is defeated, or the hero retreats. Defeating enemies gains rewards and lets you rescue villagers. Uh, or you can search. So if you're on a space uh, the hero is in contains an unclaimed search token, token which are kind of these like long uh, orthogonal, not orthogonally, but long football-shaped almost icons, flat football. Uh, you're going to roll a die. You're going to lose that many hearts. If you're not knocked out, then you claim the reward on the back of the search token. All right. And then finally, you pass. Uh, you can pass if you do not wish to take any more actions this season or if you're unable to take an action. Once you pass, you can no longer play until the next season. When all players have passed, we move on to the production phase. Uh, there are several actions you can take at any point, including on someone else's turn. You can sell goods for coins. You can place one of your villagers. Each building in your village holds at least one. Some will hold more. So if it has a bed on it, uh, you can hold more than one villager in that in that building. Uh, you can complete an order. You can refresh the villager slots on the season board. Uh, or you can purchase a hero ability. Once all players pass, we go to the production phase. Some buildings in your village and all villagers that are housed in your village will produce resources. Each search token you possess gains you a coin. We refresh our mana, move our hero tokens to their start position, flip all specialists face up, move the season marker forward one, and then proceed to the next round, unless it's the final round. Uh, In the sixth and final production phase, reset all resource counters to zero, except books, and discard all coins and quest orders not completed. Produce goods as normal and sell all goods to gain as many coins as possible. Each coin is worth a victory point. Some buildings provide victory points. 
Uh, you can gain victory points for completed rows in your village, and if a row has at least one villager, that produces one of each type of good. Completed quests and orders also provide victory points. The player with the most points is the winner. The tie goes to the player with the most remaining experience and books. And if it's still tied, then the player with the most hearts is the winner. That is the rule summary. I'm not going to say that <laughs> that's the rules. <laughs> well, let's play. just finished our game of Now or Never. Uh, BP as Marklin, who is a magician scholar searching for secrets of the past, uh, scored 71 crystal points. And Kiwi as Namal, the advanced robo-cat raising her young daughter, uh, won with 107 <laughs> building points. Uh, Kiwi, what was your winning strategy? Tried to get buildings that gave me crystals and bottled demons because that gave me the most money. And then I was just trying to get uh, fill up my rows because I realized you got money, more money later on because you started producing mm -hmm. more. So once you started selling those goods, then I was just like buying buildings left or right. Um, and I had a bunch of building specialists that I bought. And I think on one turn, I used yours too. Because of my four specialists, three of them were builders. So it was just build up the monument. Build, build, build. Build, build, build. BP, what was With your strategy? Arms. Movement. I did have laser eyes. Nomal had laser eyes. Mm -hmm. I did a lot more combat, I think, than you did. But yes. I, I don't think your character was really built towards, you didn't have a whole lot of health. No. What was your strategy? I tried to do my quest cards. Yeah, those seemed good, too. Mm -hmm. I feel like there were a lot of solid choices. <laughs> uh, so Needed lots of money. Theme. What do you think of the theme? I mean, it feels like a Ryan Lockett game. It does, yeah. It seems very similar. I, uh, I feel like in all of them, you're trying to complete tasks, build buildings, put workers or villagers or whatever they are in it that will then help you do more quests. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the theme, we I think we lost the theme because we weren't doing the adventure one. I feel like oh, the storytelling. Yeah, the story mm -hmm. one. So I feel like next time we play, we'll definitely do uh, the adventure, the story yeah. mode. Um, but I think some of the theme is going to come out in that. Other than that, it's just like a worker placement game mm -hmm. is what we basically mm -hmm. were playing, mm -hmm. um, which I don't mind. Right. I liked the different elements of it, um, but I feel like the theme is in the story. Yeah. 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 There are definitely a lot of choices if we get to mechanics. Uh, well, table presence next. Well, let's go mechanics first. Okay, sure. So worker placement. So if you're not doing storyteller mode, I feel like it does go that way. Yeah, maybe not worker placement so much as action selection because Ooh, action because selection. I I, I, like that. I couldn't block you, which is kind of right. what the worker, worker placement, placement does. does. Here it's more action selection. So you got to select which actions you were going to do. And there were lots. There were lots. Yeah. Like there were times when well, we so there were only hit. two actions. It was just within those actions there were like <laughs> different options, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then once you started clearing the travel board, then it became like 
because the travel board starts like full of stuff, yeah. right? And so then you're not moving as much because you want all of that stuff early on. And then you move a lot more and it becomes much more strategic, I feel. Yeah, there are definitely, I feel like we didn't move as much because there were a lot more enemies on. And mm -hmm. I start. I did like the first combat of the game and got beat pretty soundly early on. So I think we kind of avoided it for a little mm -hmm, bit. Mm -hmm. And then once we kind of figured things out, I, going back to theme though, I will say that while playing, we were calling the things by their, you know, we were saying bottled demons, oh, we yeah. were fan shell. So like it, it didn't go, you know, that far. We were talking about our specialists. We were given the, the villagers. I was giving them funny names when I pulled them out of the, the bag. So thematically that way, at least, like we yeah, 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 were yeah, yeah. drawn into the game. Yeah. So. And then, so to tie that back into then table presence to go all over yeah. our, our yeah. very orderly route, yep. is that the, it's a Ryan Lockett game. So it's, it's great looking. He's got his style. Um, there, there are a lot of pieces, but like you said, like we even started calling the building that was the hospital. You named one of your buildings a snail cave. Well, so he's actually got names oh, in the okay. book. I, I wish they had been on the tiles. I think that's my one complaint. Mm. Uh, but I, I feel like it, words in general, like the cards have a lot and then some of the tiles do. And like, I don't know if that was a localization thing so they could be localized mm -hmm. into other languages. But um, I wish the names of the buildings had been on the, because it also would have been made it easier to find because you had to like match the pictures mm -hmm. in order to get, you know, the, the FAQ the section. Yeah. I mean, you had, some of them you guessed, like the library, the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I feel like that's my only complaint for table presence, but I, I think it's cool. Like everybody's village starts in, so bleeding into mechanics a little bit. You know, everybody has the same starting tiles for the buildings they're going to put in their in the their version of the monument. Um, but since it goes out random, mm -hmm. everybody has a different path that they're going to make their way mm -hmm. through it. Uh, and the first time playing, we didn't realize how strong like mm -hmm. the hospital was. Like the hospital was a was a good first play because you were able to heal every time, whereas I wasn't, which you know cost me a thing that or, you know an action mm -hmm. that I had to do to do the specialist. Um, I eventually got there, but I think that was like one of the last buildings that I I purchased. So yeah, and then the, with the production, I, I just feel like there are a lot of things to do. There's a lot of different mechanics, but I didn't feel like anything was disjointed or like out of place. Mm -hmm. I felt like. Everything seems relatively natural. Yes. Ooh, I like that word for yeah. it. Yeah. It, it flows. It definitely all flows together. Again, the art's fantastic. The travel board, um, they've got great names. It, I think it would flow, it, using that word again, really well into a story mode. Because there are things like the snail caves and the city of spirits, the whaling caverns. Like I feel like each of those places has... A reason they're named the things that yeah. they are, and I'm dying to discover. So, and there's there's six different chapters. So you you pick a chapter per game and mm. you play through it. And there's elements for each of the different characters. So, like for us, like a two player game, that gives us like at least two two plays per chapter because we'll want to see the story for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's probably going to be one of those games where like you know if you play Nomal and you play chapter one you might not hit all of the elements. You mm -hmm. might want to go back and hit some of the things you, you hadn't seen before. So Maybe. 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Next yeah. time we play, we'll find out. So, uh, rules. BP, how easy was it to pick up? It wasn't actually that hard. Mm-hmm. The walkthroughs were pretty helpful. You have two actions. You do this or this. Um Definitely strategy wise, then you're like trying to get through like towards the end and be like, oh, wait, maybe I don't want to do that type of thing. Or I think once I tried to play one of my quest cards, but I was like, oh, never mind. I guess I can't do that. Or I was on the wrong city, right? Or something like that. So, um, but I think learning it again, you've got the two actions. You can do this or this obviously options within those actions, but those didn't really become options until later. So I feel like there's a buildup kind of like that tutorial that we like. Yeah. And and I noticed like, even, you know, I I feel like I did some of those too, where it's like, ah, crap, I'm on the wrong place. Or Mm -hmm. like I moved there and then realized I didn't have the requirements to do the quest. I felt like for both of us, that really didn't happen after season two. Mm. Like it got to the point where we're like, we were checking the things we needed to check. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the only time I, I came over to do anything on your board was at the end when we, it was final scoring mm-hmm. and I was just going through it real quick, but like production, like we were able to do everything we needed to. Um, uh, and I, I did go back into the rule book mostly just cause there are a lot of icons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in order to make sure that we understood like, you know, what exactly does the library do? What does the town hall do? What does the hospital do just to make sure and then same thing with some of the actions, uh-huh. abilities. Um, but it, even then, like some of them, like, you know, mine, self-repair, I, it specifically says, hey, once per round, uh-huh. your actions, the research and the siphon power don't say that. So it was like, oh, does it, is it once per round? But it was super easy to find. The rule book's well laid out. There are good examples. I, I thought it was a, a good, solid rule book, and I had no complaints in that case. Uh, player interaction? Meh. Uh, although you, there was some take that in that we could use each other's yep. uh, specialists, but... Which didn't happen often, mm-hmm. but it happened enough that it was there and it was just like, ah, how could you? Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if there's a little bit more interactivity with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's just, you know, kind of same, same interactive wise. It's just now you are a little bit more drawn in because people are reading and making choices. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you, Oh no, I did look at that part of the rule. You do make choices. So it's just like now it's just like above and below and near and far where they give you the story and then they give you the two options. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think not necessarily a solo game, No, but, uh, but I think for the most part, like you were figuring out stuff on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the question of the podcast would you play it again? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes. No. Um, it's a Ryan Lockett game. Just playing it once through and figuring it out and you want to like play it again. I think halfway through the game, we were like, ooh, when we play this again, we'll just do this anyway. Uh, as far as like how we'll set up the board again next time. Um, I definitely do want to do story mode. Like I said, I feel like there's a lot to unravel about the worlds that he produces because the art again, table presence, the art is so cool. You guys, um, the, the travel board has a Loch Ness monster. It's the flying casino, but it's maybe hovering. Um, 
the city of spirits is like cast in a gray fog. Um, the crystal mountain looks like, um, or crystal meteorite looks like one of those like plants. That's definitely like meteorite spikes. I don't know. It's, it's fantastic. All the components. It, it's a lot to set up and tear down, I'm sure, but Yeah, and I'm sure we could save time. It. Yeah. We could definitely save time if we put it away in a in a, a smart fashion. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh yes, I would absolutely play it again. A lot of the same reasons. I love the art. I love the way it looks on the table. Uh I you know, it's a lot of things going on and a lot of mechanics, but I think um you know, they, it flows well, so like nothing seems disjointed or out of place. Um, I'm very excited about the story mode because I feel like his like story elements and the world he's built is pretty fantastic, um, and I really enjoy it. So I do think it's probably a smart idea to start with the standard game mm-hmm. because oh, I yeah. have a feeling that the choices that you make in the storybook will affect you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a general understanding of the game, you might not be able to make smart choices mm-hmm. uh, based on that. So I do well, think. I, yeah. Like, because we chose our quests based solely on their names. Yeah. And I, I think in the future, <laughs> like I, I definitely will, there will definitely probably still be an element right. of I'm picking off the name, but I'm also going to think about, where do I have to go? How much does it cost? The, what am yeah, I going to get for it? Yeah. yeah. So like now that we've played, picking picking quests will, will be a lot more tactical, I guess. And so that was Now or Never. So if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear our impressions on, you can just send them our way. We are at First Turn Tabletop at Gmail. That is the email. And you can find us at First Turncast on the Instagram or Twitter. Podcasting Camel, who is like going off into the snail caves, he says, now or never. Rate, review, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcatchers. Play more games. Through a mountain, so I took that one. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and pay two, and um, I'm gonna pay another heart. Okay. Well. For seven, so. Yeah. Okay, and so that was my my turn. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's your anytime action. So what were you actually? Oh wait. Okay. Um, I'm out. Mm-hmm.